Praise the Lord. We're going to get into the Word, and as you know, for the past uh, weeks, we've been dealing with a very, very important subject of the Church of Jesus Christ, which is meant to be a powerful church. We've entitled this series, I know it's quite long, Church Powerful. And the reason is because in this time and season, it is time for the people of God to press into the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit, and not just be satisfied with being comfortable. This is a time and a season to touch lives. I was looking at the news this morning and the suffering that is going on in certain nations like India and Brazil and some other places in the world where hundreds of thousands of people are getting infected by this pandemic. And they need a miraculous touch of God. In many of these nations are starting to run out of doctors and medication and all of that. What the people need is a touch of a living God. And it is you and I who are going to be the hands of Jesus towards these people. Remember the Bible said, Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. They shall lay hands on the sick. The sick will recover. And so we have failed to do the series in this time and season for that very reason. So that the church rises to a new level of power and of anointing, which is so necessary and so needed in the world right now. Now in this uh, series, we got to a place that I've been sharing with you some of the things that hinder the power of God becoming manifest in its fullness in our lives. And today I'm going to go on to number seven, which hinders the fullness of the power of God being manifested in and through us, and that is the love of worldly pleasure. The love of worldly pleasure. You see, the Bible clearly teaches us that if we love the world, we are at enmity with God. Wow. This is quite something. James chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says this. You ask, but you do not get, because you ask for the wrong reason, for your own pleasure. You adulterers, now this is strong words coming from, from James. Don't you know that friendship with the world means hostility with God? So whoever wants to be a friend of this world is an enemy of God. Wow. You know, it's, it's, it's quite an, an interesting scripture, this, because we've got to understand what James is talking about. He's not saying you can't, you have no right to love having a nice motor car or a ha nice house or go in a beautiful holiday. He's not talking about that. He's saying if these things have your heart, in other words, you develop a love for the pleasures of this world that is greater than your love for God. That's what he's talking about. Then you're in danger. Amen. So it doesn't mean that you cannot enjoy anything in this world. In fact, the Bible clearly says in 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 that God gives us all things 
to enjoy. Wow. And you say, but Pastor Michel, doesn't this clash? No, it doesn't, because God looks at the heart. What he's saying is, I've given you things to enjoy. I've blessed you with abundance. But don't let that abundance and that pleasure get your heart. So that, so that you don't love me anymore. But you start loving the pleasures of this world. Do you know that it's so easy to fall into that temptation? Why? Because it gratifies the flesh. You don't have to make any effort to gratify the flesh. You know, Pastor Lindsay will tell you one of my shortcomings is I love condensed milk. Now you're going to laugh. But if you put a tin of condensed milk in my fridge, man, I'm there every 10 minutes having a spoonful or two spoonfuls. I can't resist this because I love it so much. So what do I do? I just don't buy condensed milk. Don't put it in my fridge. <laughs> Amen. So when God created Adam and Eve, he created the Garden of Eden. He created it for man's pleasure. Placed the most exquisite things in there. Why? For Adam and Eve to enjoy. However, and this is the thing that we need to understand. When the pleasure for material things, for worldly things, begins to supersede our pleasure in the Lord, we begin to get into troubled waters. When these things begin to grasp our hearts more than love for God, then we are in troubled waters. And the reason is because when we derive more pleasure from the world than from the Lord, we will begin to conform more and more to the world system and its philosophies. The more you fall in love with the pleasures of this world, the more you will conform to those things. We'll begin to desire more and more of these things in our lives. You know, I remember talking to someone some time ago. He was talking to me about greed. You know, we were discussing how very often leaders of governments and people in top, top positions get greedy. They want things for themselves. And we were discussing how come when they've got, they've taken whatever, millions and millions, they can't stop. And this man was telling me it's because they fall in love with this money. It's never enough. Two million, no, not enough. Ten million, not enough. The more they take, the more they have, the more they want. 50 million, not enough. 100 million, not enough. 1 billion, not enough. We want more. Because they fall in love with that money. The pleasure of having all this money. So if we fall in love with the pleasures of, the, of this world, we'll begin to desire more and more of these things in our lives. And that's when we begin to become an adulterous generation. Which is what James said in verse 4, James chapter, James chapter 4, verse 4. He says, you adulterers. Wow, strong words. You adulterers. 
We become an adulterous generation. What's an adulterer? An adulterer is someone who gives his affection or her affection to someone else except their spouse. Amen? That's why James calls them an adulterer. He's going to the church, by the way. He's not talking to heathens out there. He's going to the church. So when we give our heart more and more, fall in love more and more with the pleasures of this world, the more we do, the more we will want, we can become an adulterous generation, forsaking the things of God for the things of the world. When this happens, God will simply remove his anointing, his power from us. We will never be able to function in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So when Paul writes to a church in Rome, Roman church, chapter 12, verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world. It's a tough one, people of God. Because whether we like it or not, we have the flesh. We all want a better home, a better car, more salary, more money, better clothes, better holidays, better this, better that. We want that. The flesh wants it. But Paul says, be careful. Do not be conformed to this world, but continuously be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may be able to determine what is God, what is God's will, what is proper, pleasing, and perfect in the sight of God. How do we renew our mind? Well, we renew our mind by focusing on the Lord and focusing on his word continuously. You don't have to focus on the flesh continuously. The flesh is there. It takes one split second for you to desire what the flesh wants. But it takes a continuous renewing of our thoughts, of our hearts, on the Word of God to keep us away from the pleasures of this world. You see, we are a peculiar people. The Bible says so. A people set apart. Non-conformers to the world system. We don't conform to the world system. You know, people would think you completely local. You've gone cuckoo. Well, so be it. Let me tell you, one day when we stand before the Lord and he says, come in, you faithful servant. Come into the joy of the Lord. Whereas Jesus will say, go out into outer darkness. Those same people who think that we are cuckoo are going to want to be where we are going to be for eternity. It's very important to understand this. God will release his power on us when we focus on him and desire him and his presence in our lives above everything else. First commandment, love the Lord your God, all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. That's the first commandment. That's the first thing for the believer. It is to remain in love with God above everything else. And that means we have a choice to make that choice is to forsake the things of this world and pursue the things of God. Now again, I need to stress, that doesn't mean that you can't have good food, you can't have nice clothes, you can't have a nice car. Remember, we're talking of the heart. 
In fact, God wants to prosper you beyond what you could ever think. As long as it doesn't get your heart. As long as you don't fall in love with the pleasures of this world. That's the big thing. That's what we're talking about today. When we say love for the pleasures of this world. That's what we're talking about. doesn't get your heart. We have to seek first God's kingdom, God's values, God's agendas, God's will, and so on and so on as believers. We have to abandon our own selfish ambitions towards the pleasures and rewards that this world has to offer. You know, sometimes it's not that simple to serve the Lord. It's the way it goes. You have to abandon certain ambitions. You have to abandon certain desires because they clash with the kingdom of God. Choice we have to make. But I always say this to, peop to people. I'd rather invest in my eternity than only invest in this world. Why? Well, this world will be quickly passed. And life goes just like this. But eternity never ends. Is it worth sometimes paying a price in this world? Absolutely. Because one day when you stand before the Lord and he says, come in, you will have by far greater pleasures for eternity in the presence of God. Hallelujah. So we have to abandon some of our own selfish ambitions if we are to serve the Lord and abandon some of the rewards that this world has to offer. Listen to what he says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, which we have been, Bible says we are currently seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wow. We've been raised with him. Keep focusing on the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Keep your minds on things that are above. Not on things that are in the earth. Wow. Didn't Jesus say, seek first the kingdom of God? In other words, keep your mind on the things above. Keep your mind on God. Keep your heart focused on him. Then all these things will be added unto you. Why isn't it a danger in that situation? Because your heart is focused on the Lord. These things can be added. You can have millions. You can have a Rolls Royce. You can have a 10-story high house. But it's not going to get your heart. Why? Because you're seeking first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. You are focused on the Lord. And that's what we're talking about here. So the love of worldly pleasure will rob us of God's power being made manifest in our lives. Because God will not release his anointing in a life that is focused on the world. He won't do that. Amen. The eighth thing, which will be a hin an hindrance to the power of God from becoming manifest through you and in you and through you is making little time 
for God. Making little time for God. It is so crucial that we make time for God each day. Replenishing the power, the anointing in our lives. You know, people of God, we are living in a period of world history where our lives are becoming so full of stuff that we have very little time left for the Lord. Life is getting busier and busier and busier. Time looks like it's flying faster and faster. When I, even when I look at my own day, sometimes I, end, I get to the end of the day, I feel like I've accomplished nothing. Because life just gets so busy. So much stuff going on. And sometimes to serve God has become an added burden for many Christians on top of the burdens that they already carry in order to keep, to keep head above water. So the thing that suffers the most sometimes is making time to spend with the Lord every day as a priority. I know this in my own life. I get up in the morning and there's 50 things that I have to do today. My mind is already going on number one, number two, number three, number four. And if I begin to attend to these things, I'm in trouble. It's happened to me many times. I'm in trouble because the day ends and I suddenly realize I've made no time for God. But we need to understand we cannot have the power of God manifest in our lives without spending quality time in his presence. That's like soaking. There's a weight upon the Lord. Um, in fact, that's the scripture that's coming next year. Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How many of you know that that scripture is actually not talking about the physical? Of course, you can get refreshed, renewed physically in the presence of God. But that's not the main focus of that scripture. It is talking about the renewing of our spiritual strength, the anointing, the presence, the power, or the manifest power of God in our lives that takes place when we make time for him, when we wait upon him. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall, they shall mount up with wings as of eagles. How many of you know that that is not physical? They shall mount up with wings as of eagles. In other words, you rise in your spirit. You soar in your spirit. You soar in the presence and manifest power of God. You see, Jesus spent time regularly with his Father, the Holy Spirit, in order to replenish his spiritual anointing, his spiritual power. Very often, he spent the whole night away from his disciples, away from the crowds, went up a mountain just to be in the presence of God, waiting upon his Father. In fact, before he began his ministry, he spent 40 days in prayer and fasting in God's presence, in the wilderness, out there in the desert, waiting upon the Lord. Bible says when he finished and he returned back to town, he came in the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. 
Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Then Jesus, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you don't make time for God. You make little time for God. Little time for God, little power. Just that simple. No praying, no time for God means no power manifest in and through your life. The manifest power of God or the anointing as sometimes we call it is imparted into our lives by the Holy Spirit. And that impartation takes place in a number of ways, not least of all during times set aside by us to get into God's presence. You know, one of the people's testimonies that impacted my life many years ago was a testimony of a great evangelist, Benny Hinn. He was 16 when he began his ministry. And for seven years, he waited upon the Lord. He did nothing else. Eight hours a day, he sat and waited. That's what he did for seven years. Wow. You know what? Suddenly, he said, the power of God just came in him, and he felt it. Never left him 50 years later. Same power, same anointing kept flowing through his ministry. You see, less and less people in the church practice the spiritual discipline of praying and fasting, spending time in God's presence. And that's why we see less and less of the power of God manifest in the church in the 21st century. Remember the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, what were the disciples doing? They were waiting. Waiting upon the Lord. And then it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, they were all in one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they appeared to them cloven tongues as of fire sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. You need to wait to, to, to notice what happened here. They were all waiting until the Holy Spirit came and the power was released. And the endowment of power that happened to the early disciples at Pentecost carried them throughout their ministry. And it was necessary in order for them to accomplish mighty miracles preached the word with boldness and anointing. It carried on in the footsteps of Jesus, which is what the church is meant to be doing in this day and age. So I want to encourage you. Make quality time for God every day. When you do that, it's a bit like plugging into a socket. Amen? And switching the power on. You get full of power. It is battery charging time. Remember that. Battery charging time. And of course, I'm talking about our spiritual batteries where divine energy is stored. Amen. So that's the eighth hindrance to the power of God, making little time for God. Now, that will conclude all the hindrances. There's eight of them. 
I'm going to go through them again. Unbelief, number one. Number two, sin and carnality. Number three, spiritual ignorance. Number four, religiosity. Number five, compromise. Number six, lukewarmness. Number seven, the love of worldly pleasure. And number eight, little time for God. Now, from next week, I'm going to be talking about the positive side. How do you get that power working in you and through you? And that's what we now going to concentrate on. But it was important for us to deal with what becomes a barrier because we have to learn to remove these things out of our lives and to make quality time for the anointing to fill us until we overflow. I remember a number of years ago in 2008, I had a visitation of the Lord, and I'm not going to go into this today, but one of the things he said to me, is it is the overflow of his anointing that touches others. But we got to get full first. You can't have a cup overflowing until it's full. And once that cup is full and you begin to pour more whatever tea or whatever it is you're pouring in it, it will overflow and begin to touch those, touch the area, sorry, around that cup. And begin to wet it. And that's what we meant to be. We meant to be carriers of God's power. And of God's anointing. Amen. So don't miss next week. Now we're going to go in a different direction. I'm going to show you how to release the power of God in your life. Amen. <laughs>